tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. Being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Dude, so, like, this is the second week in a row that Sony's Venom has been the top of the uh, bottom in the box office, with Starsborn as number two for the second week in a row. So, Sony... Has made like I think it's like a uh, hundred million off of Venom in the first two weeks, and that's like blowing out their projected for this. So I I think there's definitely going to be more uh, side characters from the Spider-Man universe at Sony that they're going to be keep making these movies. So like I think we've been seeing a lot more news about Morbius being the movie that Jared Leto is going to do for this this Spider-Man Venom universe, and I wonder if they're going to connect them. Uh, I don't know. It seems like the, I, I don't know. Like we talked about Venom last week when I, when I went and saw it, but I did really did not expect it to be doing this well. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty shocked actually. I mean, uh, especially cause I believe you, you had, um, yeah, the star is born. I think you had, uh, Bad Time at El Royale that came out, or Bad Times at El Royale that came out this weekend, and I think First Man too. I think all of those came out this Friday. So I mean, like it had some well, pretty the, strong competitors, didn't it? Well, A Star Was Born came out the same week as as Venom, but yes, Bad Times at the El Royale came out this past weekend, and uh, First Man came out this past weekend. I think there was one more that came out this past weekend as well, and I can't remember it off the top of my head. Uh, oh, I think it was Smallfoot. Is the it's that new? Smallfoot. It's an animated movie for families and stuff. Um, oh, I think also the new Goosebumps movie, the Goosebumps Two okay. came out. Yeah, so another a different family movie. But yeah, First Man is the one that's really surprising me. Like, I don't really have a desire to go see it in the theater because I really feel like it's one that I can enjoy at home. But from what I understand, like if you go see the IMAX version of the movie, when Neil Armstrong, or more accurately, Ryan Gosling portraying Neil Armstrong, steps out into the onto the moon. Like it's pretty spectacular to see in IMAX. Hmm. I might have to go watch this in IMAX then. Yeah. I mean, I know you're a fan of uh, Damien Chazelle, right? I, I am. Yeah. And uh, and I I like Ryan Gosling and a lot of the stuff that he does. And I'm just kind of always been infatuated with like space and you know, our space program and things like that. So I think it's like a really cool, I, I don't know. I th- I'm really stoked to see that movie. And uh, I think seeing an IMAX, of course, is like the way to do it. You know what I mean? Like, I think if you're going to commit the time to and the money to go watch it, you might as well spend a little bit extra and, you know, get to enjoy that that massive screen and just the the crazy like sound system that comes with, uh, the IMAX, you know? Yeah, no, that makes complete sense, you know, to have, uh, if you have the opportunity and the, the filmmakers, you know, filmed parts of the movie specifically for that IMAX experience, take full advantage if you can. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely agree. I, I, I from whatever, everything I've heard or read from people that I, follow trust uh on the internet about uh first man is like it's it's real emotional it's real uh raw it's like you 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 really understand the efforts it took to uh get that crew onto the moon to get the first man on the moon and like how essentially it was just uh a tin can being thrown into space <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, that that's the whole thing in a nutshell, right, is just the overall situation and, like, the amount of dedication and sacrifice that all these people had to go through to to get there. Like, it's just mind-boggling. Like, it really is just a, a crazy thing. And so, I mean, getting to experience that in, in a way that, you know, because obviously, yes, they had cameras in the, you know, the time period and stuff when that happened. But, I mean, like, 
that's that doesn't look anywhere near as good as like the capabilities that we have of recording today so i mean i can't imagine sitting down and and just seeing this vast lunar landscape on the imax and just you know feeling completely overwhelmed by it like it's got to just be amazing yeah no kidding so uh and and what i from what i understand like you know they they depict quite a bit about how much stress it puts on the astronaut's family as well as the astronaut and from what i what i saw claire foy does an amazing job as uh neil armstrong's wife and how mm-hmm. how that all affects the family. So, yeah, I mean, I, if you do go to see it, I'd love to hear what you think about it. Um, like I said, I'll probably wait for uh, being able to watch this at home. Nice, yeah. I, I hope to uh, get the opportunity to check it out pretty soon, so uh, I'll have to definitely keep you posted. Have, have you been watching anything else, though? Have you gotten a chance to check anything out on, on, on TV or in the theater before we get to the movies that we want to talk about? Um, you know, I, I haven't been watching a a whole lot. Uh, I did watch, uh, well, I kind of watched a Netflix show. Uh, I think it's called like fight world or something like that, but it's, it's, um, it's kind of like a documentary that travels around to different areas and talks to like different uh, fighters. And so the first part of it that I saw, it's with uh, the guy who played, uh, oh, what's his name? I think his name's Crossbones in the Avengers. Or oh, you mean Frank, like that. Gr- the Frank, Frank Grillo? Yeah, Frank Grillo. He He's kind of like the main host of, of the show. And he's, you know, he talks about how he's always been like really big into like martial arts and like boxing and stuff like that. So the first one they go to uh, Tepito, Mexico, which is, a, I guess, a little little area of, of Mexico City that's just remarkably like, you know, impoverished and uh, has a lot of like gang and drug problems and stuff like that. But there is a large population of like professional boxers that come out of a gym that is in there. And so like the first uh, part of the little documentary show is is him going down there and uh, he's kind of talking to them about that and going into the gym and doing a little bit of training in there. And they're like kind of breaking down the difference between like Mexican style boxing and like, you know, European boxing and stuff like that. And so, you know, I, I too am, am someone who's always been very big into boxing. I went to a lot of boxing matches and things like that with my, my dad and my grandfather when I was young. And I remember going to a lot of amateur boxing with like the golden gloves and things like that. And, you know, obviously the sport has declined a little bit in in terms of like viewership and interest and stuff. I think the UFC and and other MMA uh, fighting events have kind of taken a lot of the maybe not a lot, but have taken a a, a amount of the crowd to because it's a it's a quicker, faster, you know, form of of martial arts. And, you know, I guess it's true. They call boxing the sweet science and it's it's very kind of slow it well it doesn't have to be but and and that's kind of i guess what they were getting at with like the mexican style of boxing is like they're kind of just straight up brawlers that like don't mind getting hit to land a hit and they're not as like motivated by the same techniques as like european boxers and things like that and so i just i don't know i thought it was really fascinating um there was another one where uh and it's i think it's episodic but like the first like episode i kind of like fell asleep because i was watching it really late and had nothing to do with the reflection of the quality of the show um but the other one i i can't remember where they were were going but i wanted to check that one out too because it sounded pretty fascinating but i i don't remember what it was right now but it's a really interesting show and i think if you're i think if you're into boxing or into martial arts like it kind of like breaks down more of the martial arts sense of it it's not really about like the brutality or you know any of the things that people who aren't into those sports uh kind of associate with them you know so much to the fact that they they even have the name of like combat sport which i personally think i I mean i get why it does but to me like it's so much more than just people beating each other up like i i am not a person that likes to see someone else in pain like i don't celebrate that i don't revel in that i don't even like watching like youtube videos or anything like that of like people getting hurt but i do enjoy you know boxing and and ufc because it really to me is all about like 
the tactician uh, element of it and the skill and, you know, the constant, like working to improve yourself. And, you know, I think that's kind of like the unfortunate thing with like a lot of the modern day uh, martial arts sports is that they, they've kind of really become synonymous with the same things that like, you know, WWE was for a while with like the whole controversy causes cash thing. And it's like kind of just over the top dramatics of like people running their mouths and like trash talking each other instead of like the old days of like humbled fighters that were, you know, just honored and privileged to be taking a part. And were really kind of like almost viewing themselves as the opponent and not the person they were fighting. But nevertheless, I mean, you know, it's, it's still a really good kind of like documentary and, uh, if you're into that kind of things, I, I would definitely recommend checking it out. That's pretty awesome because uh, and, and something I had no 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 clue was on Netflix. But uh, I mean, I love Frank Grillo. I think he's uh, an, an incredible actor who you know essentially came out of. I mean, it seemed to me like he came out of nowhere, um, which is funny because the whole MMA thing. And from what I understand, I think he played like college football. I don't know about so much. Anything about like uh, um, uh, martial arts or uh, MMA or anything like that? But in the movie Warrior, he he plays Joel Edgerton's character's trainer, and then in the TV show Kingdom, he was a champion MMA fighter who was who had his own gym, then trained his sons to fight and trained other people to fight, and then obviously in Civil War or Captain America: Civil War, he's a uh, well-trained combatant, you know, almost to the point of Captain America himself. So he he obviously has become known as this guy, you know, that that portrays fighters, and he's obviously in really good shape and knows how to hold himself. So I, I like that he's the the narrator or the the host of this uh, document docu series. So that's pretty cool. I'm gonna check it out. It was also in the Purge uh, Anarchy, which I still say is like the best Punisher movie we never got. Like, <laughs> I mean, he, I, I, and like realistically, I, I, I don't want to take anything away from John Bernthal with like what he did because I, I, I did enjoy the the Punisher Marvel like Netflix series, but I still think that Frank Grillo would have made a better Punisher than John Bernthal did. Like I. He was kind of like when they kind of were tossing the idea around of it. Uh, I was like, man, I I really hope it's it's him that gets that role, because I I don't know. I just think like the face that he has is just such like a uh, a spitting image of like what you expect from Frank Castle in you know like Punisher like the Punisher comics and things like that. And so I was I, I, I was kind of a little disappointed he didn't get it, but you know I'll just go back and watch the Purge Anarchy over and over again and put a little you know digital skull on his jacket no you're you're absolutely correct i think he would have he would have made a great punisher i just think by the time they were looking to do punisher on the netflix shows he had already played crossbones so he kind of took himself out of the running for that they don't Ah, they don't they they don't tend to have too many people do multiple characters in the mcu proper um what's her name uh woodbine she, I can't remember what her first name is, but she played, and I don't think it's Woodbine either. Dang it. Uh, I know her name, but she plays Mariah, Mariah in Luke Cage, but she also played, um, uh, oh man, she played the lady who got who gets upset at Tony Stark at the beginning of uh, Civil War. And I forget, Frank Grillo was actually started off in Winter Soldier, and that was the one where he played Crossbones. I mean, he plays Crossbones in Civil War as well, but... He was more prominent in Winter Soldier. Anyways, uh, yeah. so that's great. Frank Grillo, I'm down for just about anything that that gentleman does uh, and, and is in. So uh, right now for me is a very exciting time because, uh, as you know, I am a big TV watcher. And oh, yeah. we have the fall primetime lineup. A bunch of new shows came out, a lot of returning okay. shows. The Rookie came out, yeah, that was out Tuesday night. I it's, it's on my DVR. I still haven't watched it yet, but I'm excited because I'm a huge Nathan Fillion fan. Uh, has not been getting good reviews though, so I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know if it's gonna no. it's gonna be good or not. But I'm I'm in, so I, I know that. 
Um, Ooh, seriously, it hasn't been getting good reviews. No, essentially, what I saw, like, what I saw from a couple of reviews, and I didn't really read a lot of them because I don't want to spoil myself. But like, what I read, some skimming over some stuff, is that it the first episode, and maybe it's just the first episode, but the first episode is just about a bunch of being too old jokes because the whole idea is that you know Nathan Fillion, a character who is over the age of forty, is going to be a uh, rookie cop on the LAPD and. That's just unheard of. So everybody's going to tease him about being old and stuff. Hmm. So, uh, but like I, I, I'm all for Nathan Fillion and crime procedural. So I, I can't wait till I get a chance to watch that off my DVR and, uh, I'm excited, but there are a lot of other great shows that, uh, I would love to toss out there for people to see if they haven't yet, uh, a million little things is a, is a really good show about, a set of friends that have to deal with the sudden death of a of of one of their group uh, as he commits suicide and what's that mean to the rest of them and how it affects them and it's it's real interpersonal um new amsterdam i love medical i started i started that actually the a million little things yeah yeah, I mean, it's, that, I think that's the guy from Office Space, right? Yeah, 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 the the gentleman from Office Space. Uh, I can't I can't no no I can't remember his name at the moment but yeah uh yes he's the one that uh, ends up committing suicide in the beginning of the beginning the first episode so what no i'm just kidding uh then um new amsterdam is a great show it's a medical procedural about the i i think what they say is it's the first it's about the hospital that's the first hospital in america and it was in new york and and how it's it's kind of historic, but it's it's not in the best condition. And you're following around the new chief of medicine or something like that. Basically, the guy who runs the hospital and how he's hmm. he's stir- stirring things up. Have you watched that yet? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen. Uh, I think just about every episode that's come out so far. I think I might be behind one episode, but uh, I enjoy that one. Um, uh, let's. What else is there? That's come out. Nine one one returned for its second season. I still enjoyed that show. The Good Doctor is an amazing show. It's a lot of the. It's a. It's a show that came from um, Korea, but it's it's uh, produced here in America by the same people that made House MD. So you get a lot of the same type of uh, scenario, not scenarios, but like structure wise for an episode, and that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um. Man, there's there's so many shows, and I don't I don't know why I'm coming to a blank at the moment. God friended me. It's it's a new show on CBS. That's it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, it's about this podcaster who's uh, a self proclaimed atheist, and then as he on his podcast, he keeps talking about how you know God is a concept that really doesn't belong in our society anymore. And then as he's making these claims, God friends him on Facebook and then constantly sends him friend suggestions for other people. And then as he meets these people, he, he ends up find, figuring out that he needs to help them in some way. So the episode is, is week to week. They have to uh, solve the problem, but also he's trying to figure out who the God account is because he, you know, he doesn't believe in God. So he just figures someone is messing with him. Hmm. It's interesting. I, I think it's a good place for it is on CBS because it's right up there kind of alley, but I don't see how it could last past uh, the first season, really. It's definitely kind of different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, Manifest is a new show on NBC about uh, this plane that takes off from Florida in 2013 and uh, doesn't arrive in new york its destination to 2018 and though everybody on the plane it seems like they were they just they went right from one place to the other uh in the proper amount of time everybody else on the that's outside of the plane was wait were waiting for them for five years well obviously most people just wrote them off as being dead and and no longer being found so it's all about them trying to you know figure out how where they fit in the world and how five years even though in from 2013 to 2018 doesn't seem like that's that much time for people that have missed out on that time, it is it is real uh, jarring and different for them. And like one of the one of the characters that was on the plane is a is a I think ten year old boy. No, it'd be thirteen year old boy. Some somewhere around there. 
and he huh. had he had a twin sister who now is you know five years older than him and completely different. And so that's that's kind of interesting. But then they all, they're also hearing voices, like something inside of them keeps telling them to do things. Uh, most of the time for the good, but it could, you know, something could change at this point. You never know. So Damn. that's, a, that's a pretty good show too. So, um, yeah, like I, a lot of the shows that I'm watching this season that, that, that are new, uh, I'm enjoying. So that's, that's something to look forward to. You know, obviously a lot of things don't make it past this part of the, the fall, fall season, but we'll see. Is there anything that you think that's like coming out that just isn't going to last? Like that you've seen that you're just like can instantly like kind of be like, yep, that's going to be gone soon. <laughs> you know, I'm not watching a lot of the the sitcoms that came out this year. Um, but you have things like The Connors, which is the like is basically the new Roseanne show without Roseanne because of the controversy that she had got her fired from the show. Um, single mm-hmm. parents is a single camera ca- uh, sitcom where it's about a bunch of single parents that I, I assume get together to try and help raise each other's kids. Uh, the neighborhood is Cedric the Entertainer and how in his predominantly black neighborhood, a white family moves in next door and how he needs to figure out how to work around that. Uh, Happy Together, I don't exactly remember which one that is. So I can't tell you. <laughs> I, I mean that that should tell yeah. you something. Uh, and then Rel, right? Rel, I started. I watched the first two episodes, and I I got it at first, but then I was like, ah, it's it's the jokes aren't aren't funny enough for me to keep watching. So I stopped watching after the second episode. And uh, that's 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 there. I guess that's that. Oh, I forgot about FBI. FBI is the new show from uh, Law and Order scribe Dick Wolf. It's a, you know, it's a crime procedural about two FBI agents and, uh, I, am enjoying that one, but I really don't think it's going to last. I don't know. It, it might last because it's CBS and CBS kind of keeps those crime procedurals forever, but it doesn't really do anything that's different for me to see, to, for me to think of it as lasting, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I can see that. So, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm like... Me, whenever it comes to, uh, n- you know, the fall primetime season of new stuff, like, I try and give things a chance, but you you know there's not, not everything's going to last. And one thing that I'm surprised has last as long as it has, because it's on season three, I believe, is The Good Place. Like, I love that show, but I really didn't think it would, it would find uh, an audience in the primetime world like to me the good place seems more like a either netflix or hulu show like it's a a show that you would watch streaming but nbc has kept it on for three seasons and i think that's pretty amazing yeah i've I've actually heard that it's been gaining quite a bit of traction after the second season dropped like a lot of people i've heard talk about it said the first season's good but the second season is like really excellent and then the third season kind of like expands a little bit more on some of the like stuff in the in the second season. So I I actually kind of want to get into checking that out as well. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Yeah, if you give it a chance, give the the first season a, a chance. By the time you get to the end of the first season, if you're not hooked, then you'd want to walk away because I don't think uh, the rest the other two seasons will will uh, will interest you if you're not hooked at the end of the first season. Which uh, I mean. If you're already watching the whole first season, you're probably going to be hooked. But just think that the the end of each season is what really makes you sit there and be like, "Whoa, what are they going to do next?" Like that's that's crazy. Like it, it really stops you. Yeah. Okay. So I'm definitely excited to check it out now. That sounds really cool. <laughs> uh, all right. So I wanted to talk to you about one of my favorite movies from this year so far. Like. And I know oh we're all the way in October now, so uh, I I can't I can't I don't want to say that I can't believe that this is probably going to be one of my favorite years of the movie, but or one of the favorite movies of the year. I just think that it's that good. Uh, Bad times at the El Royale. Ooh, okay. Writ- <laughs> written and directed by Drew Goddard, uh, who also wrote and directed Cabin in the Woods. He wrote The Martian. He was the showrunner for the first season of Daredevil on Netflix. 
Uh, I believe his writing career goes back like to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, if I'm not correct, or if I'm correct. Sorry, excuse me. Um, yeah, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, five episodes, Angel, five episodes, Alias, five episodes. Uh, oh, he wrote Cloverfield. I did not know that. The original? Yeah. Uh, oh, my gosh. He wrote nine episodes of, of Lost. He Yeah, and then Cabin in the Woods, the screenplay for Mar- uh, World War Z, the screenplay for The Martian, which I love The Martian. Uh, one episode of The Defenders. So this is, I mean, I really loved his resume. And then he went on to, uh, you know, he, he's directed a few things too. Like I said, Cabin in the Woods, uh, two episodes of The Good Place, which I think he's also, I think he has more involvement in The Good Place, if I'm not correct. If, But uh, yeah, he's also the executive producer of The Good Place. So that was a nice little segue for that. <laughs> um he is also announced to from from here to direct the x-force movie for fox uh i don't know what that where the status of that is with the whole fox disney merger uh at this point hopefully they still make it fingers crossed but i would love to see what he does with the x-force after watching bad times of the el royale so getting into bad times of the el royale have you watched the trailer for this i know you haven't you haven't seen the movie right I have not watched the movie yet. Um, I'm, I definitely am going to go watch it because I've been hearing a lot of really good things, which I think is exciting. And, you know, much like you, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of you know, the uh, director and stuff like that. So I really do want to give it a shot in the theater, and uh, I'm really excited to check it out. But, yes, I have seen the trailer as well. Okay. So, like, I'll, I'll try not to do any real big spoilers or anything, but, like, the cast on this movie is pretty phenomenal. Like, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest John Hamm fan. I do like him in just about everything I've watched him in. I've never watched uh, Mad Men, though, so take that with a grain of salt. But I just think that he is a very talented and funny actor when you allow him to be funny. Like, I thought he was great in Tag, which Mm -hmm. a lot of people didn't seem to like that movie. Um so seeing him in this, he's playing he's playing uh you know this obnoxious uh, vacuum sl- cleaner sales guy at this hotel. Um, it's it's just it's so it's so fitting. Like just I mean it seems like it's fitting for him. So that's great. Chris Hemsworth as this Charles Manson esque cult leader. Uh, Jeff Bridges as a uh, you know elderly uh, priest or reverend. I don't. I don't. I, oh, he says father. So I guess I would make him a priest. Um, and then Dakota Johnson, who I, I've never watched any of those Fifty Shades movies, so I, I don't really have much to base to, to base off of her previous um, movies. But I did see How to Be Single, which I thought she did a pretty decent job as, and. Uh, so, it, you know, she, she's also really good in this movie. Like everybody just brings in a really great performance. And then there is Bill Pullman's son, Lewis Pullman. Like, wow. He does a phenomenal job too. Like for such a young, almost unheard of actor, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the, the way the movie is filmed, it's very much. A, very much a certain type of style style you can you can see it and one of the things i love is that like just like um cabin in the woods is kind of a deconstruction of you know horror slasher films and you know what the what those uh tropes mean this kind of does the same thing with uh mystery thrillers and how well they can uh keep you enthralled and why they keep you enthralled like you can see and feel the the tone of the movie shifting when you want it to when when you're supposed to feel for certain characters kind of stuff and you know what what it means when uh when investigations are going it's just for a two hour and 21 minute movie like i was so engaged and then i by the end of it i just felt like i wanted more like i i it's like there. It seems like there's stuff that's definitely on the editing, editing room, editing, editing. Wow. The editing. 
editing room floor, thank you, <laughs> that uh, hopefully shows up in a Blu-ray release that you can either insert into the actual movie to watch or have to watch as a special feature because there are, there are, one of the things that I felt that was uh, undual was the fact that there's backstory to certain characters that you don't ever get like or at least mm-hmm. not not really um uh uh what's the word i'm looking for um it's not like at like the forefront of the of the story right it's not uh it's just not it's like a subplot not subplot it's the word it's like it's not uh felt out I guess and there's a word there that I'm missing. Fleshed out? Fleshed out. Thank you. I kept wanting to say filtered out. And I was like, filtered is not the right word. I don't even think that's a word. (laughs) Filtered? Well, it's now. (laughs) Fleshed out. You could filter it out. Yeah, I could filter it out, but I think that'd be the opposite of what I wanted. (laughs) I think you were just combining the two together. I think you were making uh, filter and fleshed, and you got to filtered. (laughs) Uh, and then there is a another almost breakout star because I don't think I've ever really seen her in anything else. Um, but her name is Cynthia Erivo. Uh, she plays Darlene Sweet, and I would almost say that this movie is about her. If it wasn't for the fact that you spend just about as much time with everybody else in this movie, um, but she does this phenomenal job as this. Uh, uh, reno lounge singer that's looking for a place to stay for the night as she's coming up from uh hollywood you know she's making the car drive from hollywood to reno and she needs a place to stay so the el royale is a hotel that's on the border of it's in lake tahoe on the border of california and nevada and it's a very niche hotel where the fact that when you walk like as you drive up you can see the california nevada border painted on the ground on the parking lot and then it, it can continues right into the lobby of the hotel where you can either stay on the california side or you can stay on the nevada yeah. side and essentially the differences are like i think you have to pay a dollar extra in tax uh, if you stay on the California side, and then, or I don't know if it's t- necessarily tax, you just have to pay a dollar extra. And then the Nevada side is where you can drink. Like you can't drink on the California side or something like that. Uh, That's super weird. Yeah, it's it's very weird. But it's 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 it, it's the hotel's off season at the moment, and there's nobody else there except for the one clerk, which is played by Lewis Pullman. And the four um, uh, patrons that show up almost at the exact same time to get a hotel room. And it's so well done that every one of the characters you are enthralled with and you are uh, in, in, uh, engrossed with. Uh, you know, I'm just going to keep coming up with more words that mean the same thing. And the hotel itself ends up becoming a character in the fact that you see come some kind of weird stuff is going on, has been, or does go on there. Uh, all the rooms come with a two way mirror. If that's what those are called. Why are they, why are they called two way mirrors? It should be well, one way mirrors, right? Or aren't all mirrors one way? I don't know. It's, it's the one it's where two way mirror when you are on like, like a police interrogation room where you're like, you know, the cops are looking through it and then on the opposite side, they can't see through it. Exactly. So the yeah, hotel rooms have mirror. that. And, uh, you know, the employee of the hotel uh, is instructed by his management to um, videotape people that maybe they can blackmail in a future whatever. Because the El Royale is, you know, in its past was known for um, housing uh, celebrities that or even politicians when they're on vacation. So, Mm -hmm. so it's, it's. It's a really good movie and it's but it's also the type of movie that I'm all for. Like mystery thrillers are probably my favorite genre just because it's I love the way that writers when they do it right can can weave a story so well that uh you're completely uh you know enthralled with the movie. 
And, and I mean, like, I feel like that's always really difficult to do, especially because like what you were talking about earlier with this movie, like the cast is just substantial. Like there is a huge cast to this. So like balancing that and like interweaving all of those like character arcs and stories and like, you know, subplots and like merging all of that together and keeping track of all that with like this type of movie, I feel like is a pretty big undertaking. I would assume. Yeah. I mean, I would have to say the same, like it, the idea that, having to keep all these storylines straight and give the amount of screen time that you would expect for such large stars would be difficult for uh, uh, any director, let alone a, I don't, I don't want to say beginning director, but like a up and coming director. Uh, yeah. A budding. Yeah. A budding. budding Cause he, I mean, he, he, I mean, obviously he's had, he has experience, but he, it's not like he's got, Spielberg's resume at this moment. Sure, yeah, he's he's uh yeah, he's up and coming. Yeah. So uh is there, there anything was something I was going to make about that with like a fleshed out joke from earlier <laughs> but uh, I can't I can't uh what is that? There is a word for man, we're just, words are hard today apparently. I, I, we're wording so badly it, today. We, it's it's very true. It's very true. Fledgling. <laughs> He's a fledgling director. There you go. That that word makes sense. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Was there anything that you would like to know from the movie that you've just seen from the the trailer? Well, yeah, I feel I feel kind of like an a-hole because the first time I, I heard of this movie, I thought for sure that it was Robert Rodriguez. Like, the title alone just sounds like a movie that Robert Rodriguez would make. And then you kind of hear some of the actors that are in there like, oh, I could, I could totally see him working with them. So I'm assuming that this is not some, like, sequel to Dust Till Dawn, like, 20, 30 years later, right? Like, <laughs> has nothing to do with uh, Mexican vampires, right? Right. No, no, it doesn't. And I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, Bad Times of the El Royale definitely sounds like a Grindhouse kind of uh, trailer or title. And, uh, and you know, as of late, it seems like Robert Rodriguez has kind of be become known for that style of, of movie making. But, yeah, it, I would not put this in a Grindhouse kind of uh, um, uh, genre. genre. Thank you. Yeah, it's almost like he's become, like, the grandson of, like grindhouse you know what i mean like you can't really call him the grandfather because he didn't make it but he's certainly like the grandson you know totally and then, i don't know maybe that makes uh oh my god maybe that makes quentin tarantino like the cousin or you know what i mean like the fourth <laughs> cousin of of grindhouse or something i'm not sure how the family tree of genres break out from there <laughs> so like okay i guess um is there a movie that you would maybe like compare this to? Like if people, cause I know you don't want to give spoilers away and I certainly appreciate that. I'm sure a lot of people listening appreciate that. But like, if I were to say like, okay, like what type of movie or what's another movie that's like this, that like maybe I've heard of or seen before that is comparable to this, that would kind of like intrigue people to go and watch it even more than maybe they already are. Oh, wow. That's, that's a great question. Trying to sit here and think about it. Like all I can think about is like ensemble casts where maybe like Soderbergh's traffic, uh, where okay. you're, you're interweaving a whole bunch of different stories, but there's no mystery to that. There's no thriller to that. So, um, identity, identity would be a great example of what, what you're looking for, uh, in bad times. I was just going to, I'm not even kidding. I was just going to say, is it anything like Identity? Because, like, Identity, great movie. I think it's a highly underrated movie. High, highly underrated. But I really, I remember going and watching that in the theater, and I was just completely, like, blown away by it. I mean, I still watch that movie from time to time, and it still holds up. Like, that's still just a great thriller. So I'm, I'm hearing that, I'm, like, even more stoked to go watch this now because that movie's absolutely wonderful. Yes, yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you get the opportunity, definitely check this out. It's 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 a period piece because it's set 1963 or maybe later than that because, I don't know, it's, it's, it's the 60s, if I remember correctly. Um, so you should... And that plays like a... Does that play like a... Is the time period almost like an additional character to the film? Uh, I wouldn't... I don't know if I would say it's an it's an additional character, but it definitely sets up a lot of uh, a lot of the story that you're gonna get. So, 
like okay like um chris hemsworth character of charles manson you know uh, there are similarities to certain murders that the Manson family committed, and you those you associate with the the time. So, oh, 1969. 1969 is about the, or 1968. 1969 is the t- about the time where the the movie takes place. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, I'm like super stoked now. I definitely am gonna have to go watch this. Yeah, and I would. I I mean, I hope I didn't sell it too hard which uh then sets up your <laughs> your uh, expectations too high but i, I really i oh, really no, think no. you'll dig it i i really dug it so uh well if it's anything like identity i'm sure that it will be fantastic yeah <laughs> uh okay that so movie was amazing that is uh bad times of the el royale you went and saw a movie uh, i believe two weeks ago that you wanted to talk about i did um I don't know if it was two weeks ago, but anyway, yeah, I did. I watched a, uh, a movie uh, that is a directorial debut film for uh, Mr. Bradley Cooper. It's called A Star is Born. Right. And uh, yeah, it stars him, Sam Elliott, and uh, Lady Gaga, which I, th- I find it particularly interesting that she chose to be credited as Lady Gaga and not her actual name, Um I don't know if maybe that's just because the name Lady Gaga is uh, maybe to the studios perhaps more uh, bankable or if that's just what she's if she's totally fine with that in terms of her acting career. I, I guess she's in um, she's in that that was an American Horror Story. She's in that show as well. Well, I, I she believe. yeah, she was in one season of the American Horror Story and I believe she's also credited as Lady Gaga on that. And but I would see this uh, seen as this is her first like movie movie where she's acting and yeah. i would say yeah because i think they did the same thing with uh dwayne johnson the rock you know his first movies that he started doing he was still known as the rock uh, eventually he started creating himself as dwayne johnson but you know people still are going to know him as the rock it's his brand and i would assume lady gaga is just just as much her brand yeah no I, I think that makes a lot of sense and that's kind of what i was you know thinking as well is that this was just a situation of like marketability and and stuff for her and for the movie but uh but yeah so um i guess this is the third time this movie's been made i, I think it was originally done in like the 50s the late 50s uh the 80s and now you know the 20 actually 20 something ish i think this is the third remake so the fourth time that it's been remade Oh my fourth, gosh! Fourth really? time that it's been made. Time? I believe, if I remember her that correct, because I think the first time it was called something different, but it's the same story. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm well, not, you might be right. Yeah. yeah, but either way, I think the most the the latest version of this movie before this one was uh, Chris Christopherson and uh, Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was like almost. I guess that was almost the eighties. That would have been like seventy seven. 76 76 yeah probably 76 um and then it was in the 50s i think before that but yeah so i mean this movie's you know it, i i don't i don't i guess i don't really have to worry about spoilers i mean like if you don't i, I feel like maybe you would already know the story like if it's been remade three times like i can't imagine that it's catastrophically that different of a movie that you know i can't imagine the the stuff that happens is that far from the other ones um you know i I don't know you were you were talking about hyping and overselling things and this movie is 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 certainly a film which is getting a tremendous amount of of buzz and hype and there's a lot of other uh actors that are coming out and saying you know like this movie's just incredible and mind-blowing and all that stuff and and i don't want this to come out the wrong way the movie is a great movie but it didn't blow me away like i yeah and and i feel really bad i i know uh, obviously there's a huge problem with me in this movie in the sense that bradley cooper (laughs) this this is gonna sound horrible because i really like bradley cooper as an actor and i like i i can't think of anything he's in that i don't like but uh, I spent so much of this movie, which is two hours and like 16 minutes or something long. Like it's a very long film. Yeah. Um, I spent the majority of the time looking at him 
And I kid you not, all I could see was crazy Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead. Really? He looks just like Andrew Lincoln. Like, they share the same haircut. There's, like, all the, you know, he's he's an alcoholic drug addict in this movie. So, like, half of the scenes are just him, like, profusely sweating, just being completely covered in sweat. And it literally, like, he has, like, the same haircut as Andrew Lincoln in like the, the later seasons of the walking dead where he like goes crazy and like bites the dude's neck and there's just blood everywhere. Like they look almost identical. And as soon as that imagery popped into my head, I, I just, I couldn't get it out of my brain. So I literally spent probably the next hour and 50 minutes or 45 minutes, whatever, literally just waiting for him to start screaming for Carl or you know <laughs> Shane or, or something to that effect. Um, which is not, I mean, that is totally on me. That is not a fault of, of Bradley Cooper or the film by any stretch of the imagination. And I should also reiterate that, like, I am in no position to be telling anyone how to make movies, yet alone Bradley Cooper, who's actually making a movie. Um, but I, I will say that there is fundamentally something with this movie that just feels off to me. And I can't quite put my my thumb on what it is. But the best I could come up with is I just feel like it's rushed in, in a sense of, of getting to Bradley Cooper's character that you don't really get to connect or identify with him. Um, a lot of that does happen, I think, with uh, Lady Gaga's character, Um who is called Allie. I think there is a lot of connection that you get with her. There's a lot of empathy that you have with her, but I think there's a huge, at least for me, there is a huge disconnect with Bradley Cooper's character. And, and I didn't really feel like they handled it in a way which gives him a lot of redemption um, or, or even a lot of, like I said, empathy. And, and I think that's really unfortunate because a huge part of this film is is kind of illustrating that uh, addiction is a disease you know and uh, there's a scene I, I don't know are you familiar with the previous uh versions of this movie at all uh, i am you know i am I, yeah i know i know exactly what happens i know uh the the gist of the movie and the the ending so uh, so, I, but it's it's okay if I talk about this. I don't want to spoil it for you. No, no, yeah, no. You're you're completely fine to talk about it. Okay, so if anybody listening to this has, by some weird miraculous chance, not not doesn't know what's going to happen, uh, Bradley Cooper ends up committing suicide. His character's name is Jack. So Jack ends up committing suicide at the end of the movie, and uh, I, I totally felt bad for him in that moment. You know, you 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 see kind of the 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 quick struggle that that's not fair. There is definitely a point in the film that, that you can tell that it's tipped it to that path and that that's where it's going. Okay. Um, up until this point, they've done a really great job of, of showing the roller coasters of the disease of addiction and how it, you know, can impact you and, and kind of like destroy your life and the struggles of it and all that sort of stuff. But he ends up committing suicide and there's a scene at the very end of the movie between uh, his brother, who is his name is Bobby, and he's played by Sam Elliott, which is another phenomenal actor. Um, and, and there's a scene that takes place between Lady Gaga and, and, and uh, Sam Elliott. And, you know, she's kind of alluding to the fact that she's blaming herself a little bit as, you know, as happens. You have that, you know, remorse and that regret and, you know, you do feel a sense of responsibility and then, I don't know, there's just something in the way that the scene plays out where it just feels like we lose all of the humanity because Sam Elliott kind of starts in like, don't you blame yourself, this is Jack, like, Jack's the one that did this, like, and I don't, I don't want to say that he's berating uh, Jack, but it does kind of feel that way, and it feels like, you know, they did a, a, a good job of kind of setting you know, the empathy up to be there. And and I thought maybe it was going to pay off after this happened. Like, you know, maybe that's what was missing. But the, the, I don't know. It just felt like there was this empathy and humanity that just got ripped out of the end of it because of this. And and I could just be viewing it wrong. I, it, it very well could be that I was in a different state of mind when I was watching this or I just wasn't uh, – 
as in, uh, invested in it as I should have been or something, but I, I, I don't know. It just fell off to me in, in that moment, um, which I think for me is really unfortunate because the rest of the movie is is really great. It's very well done. And the performances, I have to say, for, for everyone involved, including um, Lady Gaga, who does have some background in, in, in acting school, at least, you know, um, but hasn't really had like a, a leading role up until this, I wouldn't say, uh, or maybe it's, the, I don't know, maybe it's her first leading role in a feature film. Maybe that's the, you know, totally correct way to say it, but like her performance in this and Bradley Cooper's and Sam Elliott and even Andrew Dice Clay, who I did not realize was Andrew Dice Clay until after the movie had stopped. And oh, I was really? Like, Dear God. You didn't, yeah. you didn't recognize him as, as Lady Gaga's dad, huh? No, not at all. Not at all. Not even in his his voice. Like usually I'm really quick at like picking up voices and being like, oh, I know who that is. Like I almost always can do that with like animated films and things like that. I can just pick up really quickly on 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 the voices of things. And I I I don't know why, but I had no idea that it was him until after the movie was over. And I was like, my God, that was Andrew Dice Clay. But even him, you know, who's not I guess relatively known as being a very dramatic or serious actor, you know, I mean, he's in a film that I love called brain masher, but let's be honest, it's not a dramatic film by any stretch of the imagination. Um, he does an amazing job and he has some wonderful moments and some wonderful, uh, interactions with lady Gaga. And, you know, he has some interesting, uh, you know, reactions to things that occur because of, of Bradley Cooper's uh, addiction or his character's addiction in the film. And I, I, and, and even Dave Chappelle again is, is in this film and is somebody that I guess historically has a, a track record of being more of a comedic actor does a very good job of, of kind of dialing in the seriousness when it needs to be there. And I, I was completely floored by that. And I think that that is really what, I, I guess would be the silver lining to kind of talking a little bit bad about this film. But I think that element speaks very strongly of, of Bradley Cooper's ability to direct. And I, I think the biggest thing that this movie does for me is really sets my expectations for where he might go as a director. And I, I definitely think that it's a journey that I would love to be uh, a part of in terms of, of being a viewer uh, into what he does as a director going forward. But I'm definitely looking forward to it. And I'm really excited to see what he does. So I guess one of my big questions for the movie is uh, being Bradley Cooper's directorial debut, how do you feel about the fact that he cast himself in What's I mean could be considered the lead role or the you know the supporting role the lead support role because uh, Jackson obviously is a very important character in the movie uh, from what I understand the movie's kind of about him in the beginning becomes about her uh, towards the end in her career. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know I I don't know if that was his intention from the beginning. You know I don't know if he thought like hey i want to remake this movie or i want to do this film and i and i want to star and i don't know if that's exactly how it went down i do know that he met with lady gaga and you know kind of was like trying to see if she would be interested in doing it and they ended up um they ended up at her house i believe in her living room and she was playing the piano and they just kind of ended up having like a little bit of like a jam session and he he said that the chemistry was just uh, instant and and undeniably there and i think for this particular type of movie you absolutely need that and i have to agree with him in watching it the chemistry between the two of them on screen is absolutely phenomenal and the performances again are are just stellar stellar performances so i i almost at this point couldn't see anyone else playing his part um, I, I thought that their chemistry was that well connected and, and the performances were that strong that I, I just really couldn't imagine anyone else opposite of Lady Gaga in this part after watching the film. So I don't really have a problem with that. If anything, 
I, I kind of commend him on that because quite frankly, directing is a is a very difficult job as is, yet alone having to do that and also be in the movie and, and to be a main part and a main star of the movie. Like that is definitely not an easy thing to undertake. Um, it adds a lot of really interesting problematic situations uh, that, that you're going to run into because of that. Uh, and there, there's also some interesting things about the, the film that I read where uh, a lot of the concert scenes actually happened at Coachella. And uh, there was another uh, country music uh concert that was going on that i believe chris christopherson was performing at and he actually allowed them four minutes of his set to film a part of the movie so i mean like you know filming anything in four minutes uh is kind of in yet alone filming something in four minutes that's also at a live venue and you're kind of taking someone else's stage time from them like is absolutely just insane to me like that's that's pretty wild so i definitely i definitely have to give him a lot of of props and kudos to to directing the film but then also undertaking the acting side of it as well i mean like it's definitely not easy and and i think he does it well not very flawlessly almost well, not, almost flawlessly. not just the acting side but also the the singing side like from the way yeah. i understand yeah he uh you know he's not a trained singer but he he went real serious with it and, and got himself a uh, singing coach and stuff like that. And the first time he sung for Lady Gaga, she was like just drop odd, you know, jaw dropping odd, odd out, um, impressed with it. So, you know, he took that part seriously too. But I just feel like, and obviously I, I've never directed a movie before, but like the idea of taking on directing a whole movie and all that entails plus acting in it and learning to sing and having to perform in that capacity is just, that's a lot to take on for a first time director, I would assume. Oh no. I mean, I think it's, it's unbelievable that he managed to do that. And the, and the, like you said, the singing is, is very well done, you know? And I think, I think that's other, uh, another good benefit to the two of them kind of hitting it off and being able to work together is that obviously Lady Gaga has a tremendous amount of, of you know, vocal experience. And obviously Bradley Cooper has a lot of acting experience. So I think, you know, having the ability to also share their knowledge and to kind of further one another in their respective fields, I think also helps to really strengthen the the movie overall. And I mean, I've listened to the soundtrack after, you know, after watching the movie. And, and I mean, like his voice is I mean, it's very, very good. Like, it's what you would expect out of like a, a country uh, folk type singer. And, and, and I mean, it is very surprising. It's almost like um, kind of like when you hear Ewan McGregor sing in in um, Moulin Rouge, you know, you're kind of have that mm. moment really, like, wait a minute, like, is that <laughs> actually Ewan McGregor? Like, you do kind of have that moment with, with uh, Bradley Cooper. And not only that, but like, he also, he also doesn't, talk like normal Bradley Cooper in the film either. He kind of does give himself like a, a very, I don't want to say caricature country music voice, but for the lack of a better term, like he has like a, like he talks with a dialect in the film that is very indicative of what you would expect from a country musician, like which is stereotypical to say, but nevertheless, it fits the character really well. And it, it, there are times where it just absolutely does not sound like Bradley Cooper. Uh, that yeah that makes a, a lot of sense um what would you so what would you say are you excited for the the next time he decides to take on the role of uh director or uh not excited oh absolutely no no absolutely yeah i, I mean i i think that you know, like i said i mean i i certainly don't have any right to you know uh couch quarterback how to make a movie to him right you know what i mean like obviously there's things that just didn't land with me in the movie and that that's just inevitably a part of the film and or filmmaking in general and and how audiences interpret your what your attempt is but i i have to say that there is so many wonderful things about the movie that the few problem things that i had um 
you know, I could easily chalk up to being my own fault, which obviously the the images of Andrew Leakin and him having a lot of similarities, that's totally in my brain. <laughs> I'm probably the only person on the planet that's going to have that experience watching this movie. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I definitely am excited to see what he's going to do next and where it might lead. And I think, you know, I think that's kind of the interesting thing also with his casting choices as well, you know, like, using Lady Gaga, using Andrew Dice Clay, having Dave Chappelle in there. I mean, I think there is a lot of people in these in, in this film that, uh, you know, maybe another director would have never even thought about or never even, you know, entertained the idea. But yet it it is a cast of powerful performances. And uh, I, I just, I don't know. I, I think it would be extremely fascinating to see what he does next and and how much... Uh, growth and development he has uh, from this film to that film and and you know what genre might he do next you know where does he go like what type of movie does he want to take on after doing this you know I I, I definitely am, am very intrigued and I can't wait to see what he does well that's that's awesome so uh, though though it sounds like you weren't like you said you weren't too sold on the whole film in general you still wouldn't say it's a bad movie and and you respect Bradley Cooper's directorial debut. Just to throw something out there, uh, some of the names that IMDb Trivia says were considered for the role of Jack are Tom Cruise, Johnny Depp, Will Smith, Christian Bale, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Hmm. Yeah, I... I, Hmm. Man. I I honestly, I cannot picture any of those people in, in that role. Like, I... I don't even know. I mean, like, Tom, I mean, I guess Tom Cruise was in Rock of Ages, but then, like, I think I would just have Rock of Ages images in my head, which isn't a great argument because I obviously had Walking Dead images in my head, which makes even less sense. But, you know, I, mm, I, I really, I don't know. I have a hard time picturing Will Smith, even though Will Smith has done more dramatic films. And I think he's a great dramatic actor. I just don't know if I would really buy him as that country folk type musician um same with leonardo dicaprio i i I don't know if i could really i don't know if i could envision him actually in the role like i i I don't it's interesting hey i get it man and i i do remember one thing about this movie before it came out was that uh for the longest time beyonce had been uh, attached to play Ali, or, or at least the Ali character, or something close to that. So, uh, the idea that they came up with Lady Gaga is uh, pretty interesting. So, all right. Anything else you wanted to say about this movie? Uh, no. I, 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 like I said, I think it is a great movie. I think if you do get the chance to, or you want to go watch it in theater, I definitely suggest it. If you have a theater that has the Dolby Atmos in it, uh, I would highly recommend that. I watched it at the uh, a theater that had that, and it really does make a huge difference to the performances, and it really brings to life the the concert vibe and the the live music vibe. And uh, I, I thought that was a wonderful addition to. Uh, getting to experience the film that way so i would say you know definitely go out and check it out if you have any interest in it at all it's a great film even though i had some issues my own personal issues with it okay sounds great um do you plan on going to see uh the new halloween movie uh you know i I, I, that's interesting because i've seen the trailer and the trailer does look good but it's it's funny because you and I, neither one, are, are huge uh, horror fanatics. Like, neither one of us are really into horror films. Very true. Yeah, I'm not. So, I, I don't know. I, I, would, I guess if this was me from, like, five or six years ago, I would be like, yeah, because I watch everything that comes out. Now my time is so limited that, like, I have to be really selective with what I watch. So, I think I would rather go watch, like... El Royale or uh, First Man or uh, any of the other movies we talked about a couple of podcasts ago where we had like this huge laundry list of like films we wanted to watch, which uh, reminded me there was a movie uh, Galveston, which uh, I, it looks amazing. If you haven't heard of it, you should check it out. And you know what uh, just opened up here in my theater, my small town uh, that I really didn't think that I was going to get a chance to see. And I, I think I want to go try and check it out this weekend is the Sister Brothers um, it's Joaquin oh. Phoenix and John C. Riley in a Western. And, uh, the one trailer that I did see of it, uh, it was, it, I thought it was, I was totally interested in it. And, uh, I, from what I hear from the, 
you know, the festival circuits that it, it sounds like it's doing really well and is uh, really high received. So I wouldn't mind going to check that out before I even saw Halloween. But uh, yeah, the big movie would be ho- the new Halloween movie, which is written by Danny McBride. Uh, and, what? Yep. And directed by David Gordon Green, I, I believe is what his name is. The uh, Halloween movie is written by Danny McBride? That's right. Him and David Gordon what? Green wrote it together, I believe. So, uh, And it's supposed to be a sequel to the original Halloween. Yeah. But it it takes place... So, essentially, everything from after the original Halloween no longer exists. So, Halloween 2 all the way up to Halloween Resurrection is now wiped out. And obviously, the reboot that Rob Zombie made, uh, the two those two movies are not canon either. Yeah. So this 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 is an uh, a a direct sequel to the first Halloween, and Laurie Strode is uh, at, is once again played by Jamie Lee Curtis, and uh, it is now 30, 40 years later. Hmm. So uh, there you go. Anybody would love to talk to us about either the movies we talked about or some TV shows that we we said we watched, we'd love to hear from you. I'm on Twitter as at Mitchipedia G-E-R. Richard's also on Twitter as? At Ry Cohen, uh, R-I-C-O-W-N. The rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram. Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page. And GeekEliteRadio.com is our website. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. Richard can also be found on his Twitch channel when he decides to stream. <laughs> yeah, things have been a little rocky uh, right now. It's kind of the busy season for uh, work and school and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's been uh, rough. But uh, it's twitch.tv slash Rycoen and the number one, R-A-C-O-W-N, and the number one. Good. There's, uh, I mean, obviously, he's always when he's there, he's, he's got great content. So you should just definitely check him out and, and sub to his channel is that yeah. is that well, is that the right terminology follow, follow. okay my you bad follow. you can subscribe as well but that costs real monies and i i don't and like i don't expect anyone to do that I mean, I, people have subscribed to the channel i'm always completely just floored and blown away by the uh connections and people that i've met on twitch it's uh it's really just a incredible wonderful platform awesome so uh until next time this is the mitch and rich show on the geek elite radio network saying always remember to geek out geek out we now return you to your regularly scheduled program